0: Thank you. everyone. Hi. hi. Hello, Nathan. Yay. Welcome once more to Reckless Attack, a fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. I am your GM, Nathan, and I am joined, as always, by the excellent players here at Reckless Attack. Hello, excellent players, once more.
1: Hello. Oh, Hello, most
0: excellent GM. So, um,
2: you here. What do you guys want to do? I personally came here tonight. Because I was under the impression that we were going to be playing a 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons actual Mm. play podcast. Mm. Uh, I came here because I live here. Ah. (laughs) I,
1: I too, live here. That
2: that explains how you guys are always here before me.
3: (laughs) And I've been waiting a whole week to play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pals Mango and Junior. And I cannot wait for tonight's session of Dungeons & Dragons.
1: I thought you were just going to end with checkers. Checkers. (laughs)
3: Checkers.
1: (laughs) And we're not playing a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast, but instead. The board game check. Yeah, (laughs) it's
3: real hard. Between
1: five people, Mm -hmm. it's gonna get weird.
3: (laughs) Wow, a true professional. I know, right? (laughs) I'm like, no, I live here. I don't have a choice. Like, I'm I'm just gonna be here.
1: My husband was like, "Hey, we're gonna buy a house," and said, "House needs to have a room that I can use for podcasting and do whatever I want with it." And I was like. Okay, I love you. That's, I guess it's fine.
3: (laughs) I walked in here during like the initial inspection and I was like, all right, how big of a table can I fit in this (laughs) podcast room? How Uh, many people can I cram in here? How much
0: sound foam can I also That's the dedication,
3: Nathan. That's the dedication to the craft.
0: You're not telling me anything I don't know, David. You're telling (laughs) the listeners the level of commitment that you have.
3: Did I buy a house to make a podcast? Probably, (laughs) 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 yeah. Let's be real here.
0: Well, purveyor of fine. Financial decisions. Yeah, right. <laughs>
3: Please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm David. And I play and Brightmane, the Jordan Warlock, who is perhaps more financially savvy than I am, <laughs> uh, the, the human. And across the table from me.
1: Hi, I'm Sophie. And I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana Domain. And I'm the other half of these financial decisions.
3: <laughs> we. <Whee. laughs>
1: But I also decorate and use all the rest of the house, so <laughs> David gets to stay in his weird podcast room. Noise.
0: <laughs> well, and and you know what, Sophie. You're fucking in here, too. (laughs) You're in the, you you know, you can dodge it. You can avoid it for as long as you want. But at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. whose ass is in here recording a dumb podcast? (laughs) It's also Sophie. It is me, too. You're you're trapped in here with us,
1: all right? (laughs) And then every time I give a home tour, people are like, oh, is this the bedroom? like, no, this is the podcast room.
0: (laughs) That's called guerrilla marketing. That's what that is.
1: (laughs) I just need to put, like, a poster on our door. David, why haven't Mm. we done this? Oh, that's a good question Reckless Attack of 5th Edition does <laughs> the Dragon's <laughs> actual play podcast recording studio.
0: And you need one of those like uh, signs that has like the live, Ooh, you know, yeah, yeah, go, yeah, the go live yeah. thing. Yeah. But also
1: a QR code where you're just like, <laughs> if you're walking past, you better download the podcast.
0: That's <laughs> a QR code that automatically opens Spotify and downloads the first episode.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm, Get those mm-hmm. sweet,
0: sweet clicks.
1: Mm-hmm. And across the table for me.
2: Hello, everyone. My name is Steve and I'm playing Self Asterlin, the Dragonborn Monk. And. You're all talking about that podcast door and all the things that are going to be on there. And I just keep thinking of uh, in Cheyenne Mountain, they have the door that is to Stargate, you know, to the Stargate, because like, mm. that's you know where it was supposed to be held. So the actual Cheyenne Mountain, if you take the tour, there is a door in there somewhere that just has Stargate, you know, on the. Really? Uh, on just it. like yeah. out there? Yeah, they, they just did that. I, I don't know if the door actually opens into anything or if they just propped a door up against the mountain wall and just called it
0: you know, Stargate Command. Well, now we need to just make a portal like our podcast cover and then just put it somewhere in the city of Chicago <laughs> with a QR code. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, guys, let's play some 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons for this podcast. We are, once again... In the red city of Agmar. It is a bustling city. It is filled with activity and with people going about their lives. It is a pretty happy late summer, maybe early fall day. And golden tree guilders have finally returned. And now they're kind of just, I won't say killing time. (laughs) That's a little reductive. But they're killing time (laughs) as they hear whether they can get the coveted five books from the restricted section that they need to exchange Lorana Moonglove, the powerful sorceress, to help permanently fix the members of the Bones who have become untethered. But as of right now, they do not have that permission. They do not have that information yet. And so we open on this beautiful day, this lovely morning. Morning? Morning. And across this busy street where people are milling around, there are houses, there are food stalls, there are neighbors chatting, there are people haggling. And all the hustle and bustle of city and all the kind of glorious color and diversity that this city has. And up on the roofs, you see two figures running. Tell me, what does this omniscient gaze see. So anybody on the street level, if they
2: happen to look up at the right time, might see what looks like a tall dragonborn running across the rooftops and leaping the five foot gap between buildings as they're running along. And occasionally you would see the dragonborn in front, maybe making that leap first and then maybe over the next couple of buildings, a squat frog with a two other frogs on top of it uh, leaps across first ahead of the Dragonborn over the next gap.
3: So this is a competition between Selv, Checkers, and Mango. Got it. Okay. Important <laughs> clarifying. And all three of them are kind of racing along these rooftops, trying to make it across the city to the finish line of the Golden Tree Adventuring Guild. And... People throughout the city can also just hear Checkers go, ah, Salve, Salve, wait up. And there's a lot of, like, uh, what is it? Fwap, flap flap fwap. I imagine, too, like, Salve is, like, straight up parkouring across everything, like, graceful, efficient, like, perfect movement. And Checkers is not that. Yeah, Checkers mm-hmm. is not that. He's got, like, a, two fistfuls of tomatoes just, like, hurling them at Salve, <laughs> trying to throw him off his tempo while he's, like, jumping around. And I'm picturing
2: that there's not a whole lot of sound coming from Selve, except for maybe the cheek, 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 cheek as he's running along. And Selve is kind of maintaining, trying to maintain focus and trying to take the most efficient route that gets him back in a circle and back to the ground. And I'm also picturing checkers also taking the most efficient route, but not necessarily adhering to the spirit of the competition oh yeah i was gonna
3: say checkers is definitely not taking the most efficient route checkers is taking the route that self can't see because as soon as self like turns his head checkers is gonna go like he's gonna cheat basically <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna like just cut a straight line totally. uh, through like the circle and just like hope that you don't notice mango is you know following behind you pretty well but checkers like every so often just pops out of you And then hurls a tomato at you. (laughs) And
2: and then just shows up like a rooftop ahead of me. Yeah. Like, yeah,
0: it just like comes, climbs up the side or something. Jonathan, I'm going to ask you. Yes. The very important question. And you don't look at anyone else at the table. Uh This is you
3: and me. Sure. Who
0: wins the race?
3: I want to say that Checkers is so busy trying to pelt. Selv with tomatoes, and Selv is so busy trying to run and dodge that Mango wins. It's like a, it's a real, it's a real uh, slow and steady wins yeah. the
0: race kind of situation. Right,
3: exactly. Like no one's messing with Mango, so Mango just like crosses the finish line way before the two of us do. You're like actively wrestling yeah. Selv the last. Yeah, I'm like feet. I'm like clinging onto his back, just like trying to get in front of him while he's running. Like if I pass first, I win, right?
2: Right. right <laughs> just wearing reverse backpack, right. And then I, I imagine us both kind of look up and we see Mango's tongue touching the post. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, oh.
1: I also like to imagine that there is, and I can't decide which I like better. Is it Berga? Is it Taroth? Is it a random child on the street <laughs> that is just there and is like, silently like makes a tally yeah. of
0: like who I was. I was <laughs> I, 100% on the same page. <laughs> And so when you guys left, Berga got involved. Mm -hmm. And Berga, your guild master, said that she would be the timekeeper, basically. And by the time you guys get back, Berga is no longer there. (laughs) (laughs) And instead, sitting at the top of the post that has your guys' golden leaf insignia on it is Taroth, (laughs) the imp, uh, who is holding like a hourglass and the sand is kind of like trickling down and he is like holding on to it and kind of like protecting it, you know, kind of like holding it like he is Gollum and it is his precious. <laughs> and as soon as the tongue hits, he's just, ah, time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how to read this? <laughs> so... Checkers and Mango and Selve return after their race, and they open the door, and, you know, this is still kind of early enough in the morning that everyone is still kind of around. Maybe they finish breakfast, maybe they're reading a book, maybe they're doing whatever. As Taroth kind of swings in behind you guys, Berga starts yelling at him, is like, oh, did you did you do it? Yes, I gave you one job! One job! <laughs> and... You guys see that Berga and Val are sitting at, you know, like a breakfast nook, basically Mm -hmm. going over a sizable parchment (laughs) (laughs) of things. And as soon as Taroth kind of just like (laughs) cackles and just like hucks the uh, timekeeper just like onto the ground with no no notions of safety and just scampers off into God knows what cranny of this (laughs) guild hall. She leans over and grabs it and Burger turns back to, uh, to Val and is like, oh, sorry, sorry. Just checking in to make sure that I got all of the things that you were looking for me to do while you guys were gone.
1: Yes, we've gone over the adjacent buildings to the guild hall because, I mean, Selvin and Cass weren't even here, but their community self-defense classes have really grown like you've been doing some great marketing with that burger i really appreciate it but we're going to need more space if we're going to continue our slew of community programming on the books and you said that i've got to check in with andromeda for questions we had about about the vault door
0: Berga is, like, going through this list with you and is, like, checking off. Oh, yes, yes. And then, oh, yes. Oh, I thought for the vault door. I know Garnack is already there, so you might be able to ask him that. And I, I am going to just step out of the fiction <laughs> and tell the dear listeners that, once again, Sophie has accumulated an actual a- physical to-do list. Yes. <laughs> Not necessarily of a marching orders for Berga, but of, like... These are priority projects for for Val, for the Golden Tree, and kind of for Berga as administer of said wills. But what, yeah, what did she what did she get done off of your actual physical real life to do list?
1: She has been overseeing the construction of Colaprico's chicken coop. As it's kind of weird because we can't go to the person who probably has all the connections to build a chicken coop because <laughs> Gary Carr, the chickens are. Doesn't know about Cobra. No,
0: no, no, but she <laughs> she've been like, about he it. can't know. can't <laughs> know. No, no, no. So, so she's like, oh yeah. So, I did ask Gary, Cards the chickens are. very delicately. I talked to him and I got connections. That then I got other connect. So several connections removed. Yeah, mm-hmm. from from him. So we have some quotes. It's here in this spreadsheet, <laughs> and we can go over them whenever we have time. I would like to propose. Cola precoop, <laughs> <laughs> I and yes, herself a suggestion. I also quoted out a few pun-specific sign makers, <laughs> and you can you guys discuss that at the next meeting. I
3: love that it has to be pun-specific. Right, specialty. It's different in sign makers. And there's, yeah.
2: there's apparently a large enough demand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly, I think that like the rest of it is more just follow up with Andromeda of like questions that Val had for specific like research questions that she like one of the things that we haven't really had a chance to do but has really been bothering Val is what's going on with that bone shard we found in the cave that checkers picked up and licked and like he seems so fine so was
3: um, he well, always like this we don't know maybe yeah. this is post bone shard checkers right yeah. it's like it's
1: Val's like is it post bone shard checkers is this and when, normal when was this wrong again? adolescence Both Uh for me
0: and the listener I mean yes. just for the listener
1: <laughs> so this is the bone shard that we found when we were on our first trip outside of Angmar. this is the
0: oh yeah to got find
1: it. the pious yep because the pious and the stone were attacked by the smoke creature. Yes, the stone. You found the
0: magical net, etc. Yes. yes.
1: So that cave contained a skeleton in a pool of liquid, and Checkers grabbed a shard of bone from it, licked it, has been Checkers, <laughs> and got it. Um, that's one bit of research. There's like a lot of other threads that she asked Andromeda just to look into, knowing that Val would not have access to the library at that time, and I'm sure Andromeda enlisted a lot of other librarians as well. But
0: I love the idea that Val's like, I'm going to be a- away from a library from two to four weeks, mm-hmm. and I'm going to fucking die yeah. if you don't. <laughs> if if someone is not researching on my behalf, mm-hmm. uh, so Asperger's kind of going through this.
1: And Burger would have been the point of contact right. for Andromeda.
0: Right. And she actually, she gestures, she kind of moves all the, pa- some of the packages <laughs> aside in the, the bits of mail. And there is a pile of books that has just like a little note from Andromeda saying, uh, happy researching. But notably, one of the ones, since you start talking about it, Berga kind of l- thumbs through the stack and pulls a book. And she, she says, uh, I'm glad you asked about this because this was very interesting you may have to meet with some historians from the city about this because there is a chance that that is a saint. What? That's the... Agreed.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Val goes to grab the incredible stack (laughs) of books and paperwork and it's now just like only saying mhm mm-hmm, in like a deep <laughs> thought yep. and it's just like slowly grabbing this whole pile of books and paperwork to her chest is like yes mm-hmm.
0: does berga know mm-hmm. if you do or do not want help carrying books are you just like is are you <laughs> or is it like val technically can carry this that's not really the question It's like does val want or need help or is it just like no i am comforted by the weight of the pile
1: i think Val is able to grab like most of it but like she is just now so focused on that bit of information that like she kind of doesn't realize totally. Berga is still there and it's just like like going huh, huh, and like grabbing all of it and it's just like well oh, that's very and like starts mumbling under her breath and it's just like shuffling this giant pile in her arms to the desk of doing and she's forgotten like some of it it's like physically impossible to right. carry all of the things that berga got for her from the library so like i just assume berga will just like gently push a pile yeah the last of, four books or whatever of books and paperwork to her and like val got super focused on the research and things like that and as berga brings the, the last stack of books to the Desk of Doing, Val kind of snaps out of it a little bit, and it's like, oh, Berga, thank you so much. I think being at the Desk of Doing with Berga right there, it kind of clicks in Val's brain, and she remembers, oh, Berga, I actually got you something. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a package from... Oswald and Otto's out of this world office supplies. I this is where Steve comes in with the name.
0: <laughs> no, I, I am very <laughs> in love with I that. Liked I like it. I'd everyone, please write that down. It'll be a plot hook later. Um, and she's like, "Well, uh, yeah, there were. I think there were several packages of office supplies, but um,
1: I mean, I." I spent a lot of gold there. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest. (laughs) They did give me a bulk discount on notebooks.
0: (laughs) Just a standing order. (laughs) Every month it's 15 fresh Mm -hmm. notebooks. Uh, And she she goes back over to to the table you guys were meeting. Again, the little breakfast nook.
1: Val will actually follow her out to her Berga's desk where a lot of the packages are. There's just
0: uh, so much overflow.
1: Yeah. And, like, Burgas is, like, the guild hall has, like, the entryway and then kind of, like, the front office where Berga's desk is, where she, like, greets everybody. And Val kind of looks for the right-shaped package from...
3: Oswald. <laughs> Oswald
1: and Otto's? Or Otto and Oswald? From... Oswald and
3: Otto's. Oswald and Otto's. <laughs> <laughs> I like, forgot. Out of yeah. this world show, office supplies. Show some fucking respect <laughs> <Excuse
0: me. laughs> to the most important <laughs> shop in the campaign. Mm-hmm.
1: So Val finds the long square package and hands it over to Berga with like kind of like pent up excitement. I I just thought you know we had the vote of officially you know you becoming guild master and yeah. we would like. I just, you know, it was a great dinner, and I thought I just I thought there was, like, you just needed like a little something something more to make it official, and you can tell Val's nervous because like she's really excited about this gift, and like oh it's now suddenly dying on her like maybe Berger won't like this. And like, she's very nervous. What if it's this, very
0: like, lame? <laughs> yeah,
1: what if this is like, not cool at all? Because Val thinks it's great. And like, oh God, but like Berger was an adventurer. And like, now she's stuck in a desk job. And like, oh God, the panic that yeah. is setting yeah. in. And Miss Val right. just like, slowly hands it. And in the atheum, getting
0: your own nameplate is like a oh, graduation ceremony. Yeah, it's, it's a, a big b- deal. big thing.
1: You have tenure at that yeah. point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so she, she takes this, this kind of rectangular package and just kind of like, turns it over a little bit. And eventually rips it open (laughs) with not a lot of effort and it takes for a second to kind of turn it over and realize what it is and reads the inscription that says Guildmaster Berga basically she looks at it and just holds it in her hand for a second and then looks up at you and then has like tears in her eyes a little bit and she just like gives a big sniff and then like hurls herself up and gives you a big hug and is just like laughing and crying and saying thank you
1: mm-hmm.
0: it goes on for a second and then you hear a soft pitter patter and flutter of wings and then out of nowhere Berga yells what are you doing no hey, hate just mine <laughs> as you see Taroth the <laughs> imp just cackling <laughs> with this, this, like, this new nameplate mm-hmm. that you just gave. Then it just scrambles up the stairs <laughs> away. Uh, and that is what i
1: <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsor.
0: This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tair, Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed Goblin Gunslinger. Dark Dice is a critically acclaimed actual play podcast brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. With over 20 awards in sound design, Dark Dice brings its horror-themed campaigns to life with snappy combats, terrifying monsters, and tons of original music. Each episode is only 45 minutes long and features an all-star cast of seasoned role players and first-time players alike, including folks you might recognize like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Start with Season 1 and follow the adventurers on their quest to investigate a doppelganger, or jump into Season 2 and listen to a news story about a terrible, corrupting sound that infects all who hear it. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you see? him
3: as taroth is scrambling away i actually imagine there are a couple of fresh-faced recruits walking from the entrance of the guild hall towards the armory in the back and as troth is fluttering they're just like looking at it it's just like what is happening yeah like here? a bat is loose <laughs> yeah. in here yeah <laughs> and i imagine this is like More a regular scene as the community exercises have been going on the last couple of, like, weeks, two weeks, three weeks. weeks? Yeah,
1: Yeah, Yeah,
0: because I think it was starting to kind of kick up right as Mm -hmm. you guys were leaving, basically. Um, And Berga
1: is multi-talented and can lead some community self-defense classes while you're gone. I imagine,
3: too, like, there are specific days that we have a lot more energy in the guild hall as people are shuffling in. And it's grown to this thing where there are even a couple of members in the guard that come in and teach like supplementary classes and Nam shows up every now and then and like does some sword work, does some footwork. But today Kaskrin is leading the lesson as there are a number of recruits, some older, some are newer, but they're all standing around the giant circle that is the grappling pit of St. Thixius. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yep. I I, I I say yes with no further intonation in my voice. <laughs> yes, they do. That is a canonical part of the Guildhall.
3: And so as the day wears on, Casquin is giving instructions on grappling techniques and the arena itself is resetting itself magically after every match, after every bout. And there's a lot of like, back and forth a lot of energy and excitement as like you know this is a very physical sport like people are getting thrown to the ground and like learning real combat practical skills and i do want to say that there is one person in particular who like kaskrin is pretty good at this you know he's been training for decades at this point but there is a half orc that is I want to say like six foot five, seven foot tall, towering yeah. over him. Classic, just yeah.
0: giant hunk of of mortality.
3: Yeah, giant, huge, muscular, and despite Catherine's skill, this half orc, she is like she's really giving him a run for his money. And I also want to say that one defining characteristic is that she is covered in tattoos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so these two are kind of like. Castrin, the Rocky Dwarf, and then this half-orc, tattooed, basically, mountain of a woman are grappling at it as kind of like the showcase match at the end of the day, demonstrating to all these other new recruits. And so at the end of the day, you know, they shake hands, Kastrin introduces himself, and learns that the other's competitor's name is Umbra.
1: Worlds <laughs>
0: <laughs> For those eagle-eared listeners, who may remember we've mentioned this before. Umbra was Sophie's previous character. <laughs> yes. I'm last, bringing her in. in baby. I was yeah. gonna say, and David's like, "Fuck all this yeah. canon. It's all one world." And I'm,
1: I'm I mean, let's I'm be real. It. Let's be real. Umbra would flock to Saint Thixius. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: and let's be double, triple real. That there was one person who did this already. In that Nathan said that Pete of Pete's Meats is yeah. also canon <laughs> from true. our last game. Everybody campaign. gets one. No. Yeah. So right, exactly. <laughs> Everyone gets one, and and I I am fine with this. So I I have two questions. Okay, one of them is a real question. The other is a joke question. I'll ask the joke question first. Is Casker shirtless during the wrestling?
3: Absolutely. And I almost made this grease wrestling, <laughs> <laughs> where everybody had to be oiled up to participate. The second question that I had
0: for you. It's really interesting to me that you guys just got back to the Mm -hmm. city and it had been a a rough two weeks emotionally, physically, mentally. And it is it's really telling in ways that I'm not sure about how. But it's really telling to me that Kaskrin, you know, like two, three days from being home is willingly teaching of like a three hour long class Mm -hmm. where he is just getting through thrown around for fun. (laughs) So what, what like, was there for Kaskrin? Like, was there doubt? Was he like, what if I pushed it back a day or like, Hey guys, I'm a gilder. You guys know that I just came back. Can we maybe pick this up next week? Or did Kaskrin just like, no, this is what I do.
3: Yeah. So I think part of it is the community day was already scheduled. Yeah. So (laughs) it's just like, well, I guess I'm showing up now, but I will also say, I feel like this exercise was really like day three of getting back to Agmar where he is using the physical activity as like, you know, a way to de-stress. Sure. um, Yeah. And helping to like, helping others is helping him work through his own feelings. But I think the day after everything happened, he really spent some time walking around the city of Agamemnon. Yeah,
0: you're again. like first like full day back.
3: Yeah, the first full day back after drinking, after recovering, after everything, and just having time alone. He spent most of it just wandering around and like becoming familiar with the city again, seeing the sights, hearing the sounds, and just like kind of grounding himself and really settling in with the events of the last couple weeks. Yeah. Do you find
0: yourself anywhere in particular in the city? Like, is either consciously or kind of subconsciously, like, is there a place that Kaskrin walks to? Or is he just kind of, like, take everything in Mm -hmm. and then, you know, just kind of um, float in in the city, I guess?
3: I feel like at some point during the day, Kaskrin finds himself at a vantage point on the Waveless Lake, where he is overlooking the docks and seeing all these boats out there, and it's it's really reminding him of a scene he saw a lot in Lotros. Yeah. Of all the boats on the ocean just, like, sailing by with the sun reflecting everything, and I think he spends the most time there lost in his thoughts and his feelings.
0: The Waveless Lake is always so interesting to me because it's so weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Where Where for us as a reminder and for the listener that it is literally a waveless lake in that the boats that are out there fishing leave no wakes mm-hmm. and the nets they throw in make no splash and you could literally throw a rock in and just, it would just sink. Right. Uh, and and that being a very strange, surreal thing that like people's brains like, <laughs> just like are like, that's not, nope, that's not how real world works. But I can also imagine it being like a, an almost like soothing specific thing like once you're used to it and associate that with the feeling of home and safety and familiarity Mm -hmm. that it's almost its own kind of like weird touchstone where the weirdness is comforting to you
3: yeah exactly i think that the surrealness like the oddity of it really helps put him in that meditative state and he just like hangs out there for a while like yeah just like spends Day two, walking around. Day three, wrestling. Thrown down.
0: <laughs> As you are walking back, Casgren, you've kind of sat, you've done your walk, and you come back towards, you know, kind of in the direction of the Guild Hall, but going down kind of the main thoroughfare, the main street. As you do, you actually see. A strange sight being hauled on a big cart, like a big wooden cart mm-hmm. is the head of a giant insect. Like, mm. imagine like a, you know, kind of rhinoceros beetle kind of thing where it has this, you know, kind of big like proboscis horn. Uh-huh and it's just like sitting there lightly oozing <laughs> and being pulled by like a team of oxen and you see you recognize the people kind of surrounding them being checked into the city like you've been checked in multiple times is the verdant wave adventuring guild you see Trenkar, the Turtle wizard you see kavos pyrelighter the dragonborn mm-hmm. you see barzug the dwarf kind of reaver and, and berserker And you see Yanis Varga, the commander of the Verdant Wave. You can see he is wearing different armor than he was. Like he he previously had like, I think, full plate or a half plate. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now you can see that it is actually like a shining, gleaming, like red, Hmm. Uh, you know, kind of this is dumb. It's almost like Iron Man color, you know, all <laughs> yeah. although like sensation wise. But like, that's kind of the effect that it has. It really shimmers in the sun. None of the group really sees you. You're kind of way off in the distance and, you know, you have a uh, group dinner to get back to. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as you walk past, you think there's a flicker for a second. Rihanna's Varga, this elf who you've known as a, is a great fighter and technically good commander, but someone who you don't necessarily see eye to eye with. Seems like he catches a glimpse of you and just, you know, kind of there's that flash of recognition before he turns back to whatever attendant is helping him. Gotcha. Back at the guild hall,
3: Checkers, what are you up to? <laughs> so, Val. Mm-hmm. As you are deep in your studies, as you're surrounded by all these books at the desk of doing, as you're hunched over all your notes, looking over all these papers.
1: Excuse me. Uh, the desk of doing has in canon yeah. lumbar <laughs> support and posture cracking chair. Yep.
3: That yes, that is okay. that is true. It is a listed
1: feature of the desk of doing.
3: <laughs> uh, you you hear coming down the hallway checkers just kind of crying out, "Val! Val! Where are you?" just with like this sense of urgency.
1: checkers what's wrong? I'm I'm in the di- I'm here, in here. What's up? Val, you got to see this. See what?
0: And I'm sure this is going to be very very <laughs> very dangerous or pressing, right. for sure. Yep. he uh,
1: found the detonating cord. You're yeah. <laughs>
3: right, exactly. It's like it could actually be like it works. I found a thermonuclear warhead. Yeah. <laughs> <It would be laughs> what anyway. should I do? And you see Checkers come in with Colaprico at his side, just tucked <laughs> underneath his arm.
1: Somehow worse. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And Checkers comes rushing up to you. All right, Colaprico, tell her what you told me.
1: What happened, Colaprico? <laughs> What's wrong?
3: And Colaprico just goes. <laughs> and Checkers just responds. And finally, Colaprico. <laughs> and Checkers just like falls down on the ground laughing <laughs> 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 that was great colaprico
1: I sophie feel like does Val my colaprico no <laughs> I have checker as well. uh, checkers I don't speak chicken what happened
3: Val to get to the other side <laughs> it's comedy gold <laughs> <laughs> <Got> to... <laughs> <laughs> And just, checkers is like high fives, Cole and Rico. And then just grabs him and runs and off.
0: And then
1: she has to just <laughs> off okay, with the chicken. But, but here's my question Is that comedy gold in the world of Brixia? It's it just
0: got invented. Yep. It is uh, the hot new comedy uh, craze sweeping the nation. It's actually very progressive mm-hmm. comedy. Chicken humor. Yeah, exactly. It really kills down at uh, Gary Carr's place for sure. It's <laughs> poultry in motion.
2: Yeah. Right? Great. <laughs> Anything else, checkers? <laughs>
3: So the one other thing is uh, slightly more serious, but not that serious. (laughs) Um, Later on during the week, as folks are kind of getting back to their rooms and putting away their things, they find two things on their desks. One is a little wooden carving, and it is immediately recognizable as the helmet of the fortunate in its perfect wooden glory. And Checkers just leaves a little note underneath it in crayon that says may this light your way and anyone who looks at it would see it's a very good representation but you can pop the helmet off and underneath it is a wooden skull (laughs) and the skull has the spell continuous light cast on it so it just has this big 20 foot radius light glowing from this tiny little wooden skull and when you put the helmet back on it turns the light off and it's like attached to this keychain that you can Mm -hmm. put on your belt so you just keep yeah. it around. <laughs> I, have, oh. I have a couple of questions. Uh-huh. I thought it was a Pez dispenser.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it.
0: Uh, okay. Lovely, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second of all, you said mm-hmm. the checkers left a note. Yes. Right. But you said left a note underneath it on the desk. Did Checkers use paper or did he just use crayon on the desk? On the desk,
3: for sure. <laughs> he does not use parchment. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Cannot comprehend what parchment is. Right. Yeah. right. Has right. never
0: seen it before. Right. Got it. I guess my other my other question is, do you have a sense of of what drove Checkers? Like, that's a very lovely thing for Checkers. To yeah. Do. Like, and especially like Checkers is in charge of the fortunate. Like mm-hmm. That he that was what he was, you know, he, he's given a duty to do mm-hmm. this thing. Does that hold any kind of like special anything for him, or is checkers just like purely reaction, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like I had an idea to do this thing, and I thought it would be nice, so I did it, you know, like what's how does checkers like experience? Hmm. Complex emotion. Yeah. (laughs) I guess guess
3: the question, huh? Right. I will say it has absolutely nothing to do with his responsibility as the bone keeper. He's just like, I had this idea, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. And it just happened to be very nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) But I will also say, next to the wooden carving is a little sheet of paper with a drawing on it. Never heard of a parchment. (laughs) Never Never heard of a parchment. Ever before. Never heard of a parchment. But this is a piece of paper. But (laughs) this is a piece of paper with a drawing on it. And it's the same drawing for everyone. And I will say, this is a reference to our Level Up episode on Patreon. So <laughs> ooh, if you want to find dude, wow, out more oh, details ooh, about wow, our Level yes. Up, head on over to patreon.com recklessattack <laughs> to learn more. <laughs> a true professional. <laughs> right? Hell yeah! But it just has the words, be right back, making friends. And it is a picture of checkers with a picnic basket walking outside the city of Agamar with three strange creatures around him. One of them is a monkey that is like surfboarding on a kite up in the air. One of them is a big turtle with angry eyebrows and like a bunch of jagged rocks on its shell. And the last one is this like half mud puddle, half frog creature, just kind of wading around behind checkers. And they're all just going off who knows where to have a good picnic. And Checkers is gone. Presumably. And Checkers was never heard from again. <laughs> My new character. Yeah.
1: Okay, but where is Checkers? <laughs> and that's where we'll uh, I, I,
0: uh, Boy, David, if only I could. Because as the three remaining guilders and maybe Berga are all being like, so did anyone see where Checkers went? You guys, I'll say, you know, get like a knock on the door. And it is a correspondence delivery person. Val, you would probably recognize the symbol on this. It is the symbol of the Library of Agmar. There's, I'd imagine an awkward moment where everyone's like, wait, should we open this? Should we go look for checkers? (laughs) Is checkers fine? What are we doing? Until Burger just like rips it open and opens it. They kind of spread it out onto Berga's kind of reception desk, newly minted with a fun uh, new nameplate. And it is is like an official document. It looks like, you know, kind of in, in nice typeface, all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't have a lot on it. But what it says is application for permanent loan, parentheses S, close parentheses to the written in Golden Tree Adventuring Guild. With a big stamp on it that says approved with the list of the five books that you have requested to take from the collection of the restricted section and folded in this as you kind of like look at it and you kind of have that moment of like, oh, hey, cool. Awesome. There is an extra little note that is signed by Andromeda that says this isn't something that. The council usually does, but because you are all members in good standing and have saved, I think, the city a few times now, they thought that you earned it. Andromeda. And that is Rural End this week's episode, and we will see you all next week in the restricted section of the Agmar Public Library (laughs) okay but
1: where is Checkers (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out next
3: week yay bye everyone Bye. Checkers is in the restricted section so (laughs) when you enter you find them
1: y'all are planning the D &D campaign i'm just like so he's the coriander king what are all the spice sex puns
3: (laughs) no that
0: is that is that is maybe more playing the game of dungeons and dragons Uh like of what are the sex puns i can make out of this sort of serious title that my dm came up with is like that's that's the game Mm -hmm. baby that's Mm -hmm. the spice Mm -hmm.
3: Okay, you're the only one who's actually playing <laughs> D&D. Right, exactly. That's the, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. Again, uh, you can make nutmeg puns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just saying.
0: My brain, my brain kept cu- trying to come up with another one, and it just was like bay leaf, <laughs> yeah. human. Like yeah. I, I guess human. A, a, yeah. Human's a good one, yeah. but yeah. like all of them were like just the late like there's nothing
3: this is how do i fit garam masala right man? yeah it's like i don't it's that's, it's coriander it's lavender not yeah, thing. Right? that's not a thing mm-hmm. uh
0: okay